Hey, and welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. Andy Kamenetsky, Brian Kamenetsky. Some final thoughts on the Lakers closing out the Warriors, plus what it could all mean for the Western Conference Finals against the Nuggets. That is next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everyone for listening to Locked on Lakers Monday through Friday, your team every day, always free. The show is never behind a paywall. And Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can watch the show, hang out with a community of almost 17,000 subscribers. It is always growing. We really appreciate that. The everydayers, the ones who listen, the ones who watch, or the ones who do both. Thank you, as always. Also, let everyone know that today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks First Time Users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on that's prizepicks.com promo <coughs> code locked on uh Brian is working through injury right now yes, His- somehow on on during game 4 no I'm sorry game 5 on Wednesday uh, I got sick I felt awful all day on Wednesday and or at the end of the day on Wednesday the Lakers I think felt my pain and played that way. Um, by the end of Thursday, felt better. Super good Friday. We did our show Friday uh, after the game <clears throat> when the Lakers clinched. Everything was fine. Saturday, right before I went to bed, voice totally went away. Um, I assumed it was an early Mother's Day gift for my wife. We, we uh, press on. <clears throat> it is. I keep thinking about where this team is, Andy, as we you know finish up the Warrior series, get ready for the Denver series. And it occurs, it's just like they are in a place where I'm still not entirely sure if we understand what even between now and the end of this series and maybe the end of a final series, what the top end looks like here. Because you know, they took care of in you know six games the the two seed. In the Western Conference, they turned around and took care of the 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 Warriors, the defending champions, in six games in relatively easy order. I think, like they've performed incredibly well for a team that has not been together for very long. No, um, I mean we, we. That's one of the reasons why. I mean we've we've said many times that we feel like, and and at this point, I think it is just abundantly obvious that. Rob Palinka and Jeannie Buss should be looking to, you know, roll back as much of this roster as they possibly can, you know, because there's so many people who theoretically could end up walking in free agency. And we're we're you know, past the point though where we're like, do we want to do this or Kyrie? Like they're no longer no, 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 thinking but, about Kyrie anymore in the front office, are they? I I would like to think they're not, but you know, I will never put star effery past uh this franchise it's it is in a lot of ways part of their ethos regardless of how well run you think they are it's just you know this is part of what would be their human nature but to your point about like not knowing exactly what the top end is for the lakers how good they actually can be because it's still a relatively small sample size you know, it's now with two playoff series on top of it. It's it's the equivalent of about half a season that we've seen this group together 
much of it was without LeBron. So, you know, there's still that sense of mystery. But what I do feel confident about, even as somebody, I have not made up my mind yet, like a prediction who I think will win this series. I think the Lakers absolutely can. There, there's no question in my mind that they can win this series. I just think Denver's really good, and it's causing me just to think more as opposed to the other two series, Memphis and Golden State. I was very confident the Lakers both could win and would win. Like It, it never really wavered. But one thing I'm absolutely positive about, these are the two best teams in the Western Conference, and I don't, I don't think it's even close. Actually, like the, every now and then you see a conference finals where it doesn't feel like the best two teams in that conference are the ones representing. It's just things shake out weird or there's an injury or one team played inexplicably bad. One team got inexplicably hot. I think without question, the Lakers and the Nuggets are the two best teams in this conference. And that is why we are here right now. I um I don't think there's any question that Denver is um you know certainly with yeah they, they, there was like that two week week and a half period at the beginning of the season where we we're all kind of like wondering what's wrong with the Nuggets and then we stopped asking that question for most of the season um and and they've got Jokic obviously and Jamal Murray who's gotten generally better as the season's gone along as he's gotten more healthy <clears throat> Michael Porter Jr. and KCP has been a great fit with them. And, you know, just the good depth, really well coached. And I think they've been obviously the best team in the conference all year long. But the team that was supposed to be right behind them was Memphis. And the Lakers took care of that, like, relative, again, by NBA playoff standards, relatively easily. Um, And, you know they they benefit from injuries that happens. There's no sure. question, but <clears throat> when you when you start to go forward with it, you know certainly the Lakers were definitely a class better than Golden State. Golden State took care of the three seed, so I mean maybe it's a down year for the conference. And I think the Lakers, you know, got lucky in the sense that you know the door was held for them. You know, Hodor Game of Thrones style um, for most of the season until they could finally make a move, um, and but but that's how it turned out. You know, every run into the playoffs, every good team, like you get a little bit of good fortune, and the Lakers are taking advantage of the good fortune that they got by the conference kind of cooperating in unusual ways all season long, and right now. I don't see how you would say – I agree with you. I don't see how you could look at them and say they're not, at worst, the second-best team in the West. It also feels, too, and, the, and this is, I think, something that's really exciting both for this team big picture because, again, I think they should be seriously considering trying to keep this group intact as much as they can, but also small picture for this upcoming series. We've seen a lot over these first two rounds of indiv- – it's it was a it's been a playoffs where these guys, you know, came into it having pushed through a lot of adversity as a group because the Lakers had to really play at an extremely high level just to put themselves in the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. the, the biggest the biggest concern we had post deadline wasn't the quality of this team. You and I both immediately said this is a really good roster. Like on paper, this roster is very good. We just weren't sure there was enough runway for them to catch up. 
But then you look at like individual players, like Anthony Davis, for example, who you know always has that spotlight and microscope on him, and in certain ways fair, certain ways unfair. I'm sure I'm sure at times people like you and me have contributed to this, hopefully in ways more often fair than not. But you know he had this monster game six on the heels of Barkley and Shaq and Stephen A. and that whole BS. You know, with the game five concussion, I don't know if you saw this, by the way, too, but Jason Jones from The Athletic, friend of the show, caught up with Shaq and asked Shaq about his comments, about whether or not he was making fun of AD and getting injured. And Shaq said, quote, I ain't making fun of nobody. That's not what I do. But I do know you're not going to stop me from playing in that game six. And then later went on to add, see why I walk funny? It's because I sucked it up. You see why my toes don't bend? Because I sucked it up. Um, first of all, it's ironic for him to bring up toes considering in 2003, he healed up on company time. Right. But secondly, again, I go back to my original point that I said in, in you know, my rant after uh, leading into game six, after game five, you are mocking him. So just say you are mocking him. Everybody knows you are mocking him. Have the balls to say it. And then AD responded. D'Angelo Russell has, I think, overcome a lot of bad playoffs, whether with the Nets or with the Timberwolves. And, you know, those questions about whether he can perform in the playoffs, whether he's a liability, if defense would keep... D'Angelo has... His overall field goal percentages are like 10% higher than any series he had ever had uh, leading into this year. He's had like one stinker per series, but for the most part, he's been fine, occasionally gone through the roof. His defense hasn't been a problem. Austin Reeves pushed through that early fatigue as somebody who is not used to this. He's never done this before. This is different for someone like him. Like we've just, it's been really. I mean, I I think the Reeves thing is, is fascinating. Just be like, the 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 reason the the explanation is just so obvious. He he broke it down like <clears throat> it's more basketball than he's played at this level at this intensity ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last season wasn't close because the games weren't. You know, he didn't have as big of a a job to do, and the Lakers were essentially playing playoff games for the last six and a half weeks of the season. So, I mean, the wall is real, folks, and and Reeves ran into it, and he seems to have kind of maneuvered his way around it in one form or another. Hell, Lonnie overcame being <laughs> being out of the rotation after the roster was reconfigured, and he yeah. earned his way back into the rotation by staying ready, and that was a lot of adversity in and of itself. So there's just a lot of character that we've seen with this team post-deadline and everything that it took to get to where we are right now and that in and of itself makes you, or at least makes me, feel really good about this team yeah. heading to what I think is going to be a hard series against Denver. I want to ask you a little bit more. I want to ask you a couple more questions about this. Um, and then turn it, looking a little bit forward to the Denver series as to lineups. Um, yeah, the Lakers went with three guards at the end of that, you know, in game six against the Warriors. Um, what you think they might do for game one, because, you know, playoff series, you never run the same lineups necessarily as the matchups change. So we'll get to all that next. 
Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Prize Picks and Laker fans. If you haven't signed up yet for Prize Picks, you're missing out on Daily Fantasy Made Easy and the One Million Daily Superflex promotion. And every day of the NBA playoffs, including the finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts six correct picks, a million bucks, five correct picks. 80 grand, four correct picks, 16 grand. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. And once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. Prizepicks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator. Superstar players, bench players just pick two to six players and whether they will notch more or less than the price pick stats projections. And you can win up to 25 times your money and price picks offers projections on everything from MLB to NHL playoffs, cricket, use the award-winning app, both the app store and Google play entries can be made in 60 seconds or less safe, fast withdrawals, download the price picks app or go to pricepicks.com, sign up, play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to hundred bucks with the promo code locked on. Again, don't forget that promo code locked on at the sign up for the instant match. If you're not playing prize picks, you do not know what you're missing. So, um, one of the things that we learned this weekend <clears throat> was that um, for all the bubble haters out there, for the bubble minimizers out there, <clears throat> the Final Four in 2023 is exactly the same as it was in 2020. So um, it's Lakers versus Denver. It's Miami versus uh, Boston. And, um, you know, from a Lakers standpoint, you know, you could, you, the, the, none of these teams are, no team is exactly the same three years later. The Lakers are radically different. Lakers are Anthony Davis and LeBron James are the only remaining players from that team. And so, you know, it's, it, it it's kind of an interesting little piece of serendipity, but when you look at the uh, the um, kind of the DNA that goes through it in terms of reaching that top end, how much how much can you pull from from the 2020 run? Because obviously, not everything boils down to LeBron and AD, but a lot boils down to LeBron and AD. Well, I mean. As far as just DNA and looking at the teams as a whole, you've got all four teams have basically the same core star players, like the core players that everything is built around, Where, whether you're talking about LeBron and AD for the Lakers, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo for the Heat, you know, no Tyler Hero, but th those are still the two best players on this team. Uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, for the Celtics and then for Denver, you've got Jokic, Murray, Porter. Like So in that sense, it validates a lot of what we did see in 2020. As far as what I think you can look for for the commonalities in the 2020 team versus the one that is in the Western Conference Finals now for the Lakers, obviously, like you said, the only, the only literal – commonalities are LeBron and AD. But what I think you saw similarly is very well-suited complementary pieces um, on both teams. They're not exactly the same type of complementary pieces because 
the 2020 team, LeBron and AD were, you know, three seasons younger. LeBron had been coming off and AD had been coming off long off seasons because neither made the playoffs and they had three months off because of a pandemic. You saw the two of them be able to play at like superstar production levels, game in, game out. Mm -hmm. Assuming they stayed healthy, you did not need to worry about that at all. And the players surrounding them were largely just three and D players and size options in Dwight or JaVale or Markeith Morris, if you wanted something in between. But that's really what it was. It was a lot of outside shooting and then really just defense and defensive options. This group, because, you know, LeBron is, you know, we saw game six closing out the Warriors, still capable of wreaking havoc, but age has caught up to him in certain respects. Attrition has caught up in certain respects, as it would for any player of LeBron's mileage and this many years in the league. This year, I think the role players are more skill players around them. Like D'Angelo Russell is more capable as a scorer and a facilitator than any of the wings uh, surrounding LeBron and AD that year. Same with Austin Reeves. Same with Dennis Schroeder. Rui Hachimura, like now with Lonnie in the in the rotation, the Lakers have seven guys who can create their own shot. That's unusual. Like they can't all do it at the level of LeBron or AD, but LeBron, AD, Schroeder, D'Lo, Austin Reeves, Lonnie, Rui, those are seven guys who can create their own shot at an above and above average NBA level. You don't see that a lot in a roster, and I think that speaks to, in certain ways, where LeBron and AD are in their careers right now. You know, and in the meantime, the defensive integrity has still stayed there. But that's what I think is some of the difference. Like you don't, you don't rely, or you're not as you're not as dependent on LeBron and AD to provide all of the scoring now as you were in 2020. Which is probably a good thing. It's like you said, yes. LeBron, LeBron particularly is just a different player now. Yeah. Um, I just it when you when you talk about the sort of the the guys who have overcome um you know, Anthony Davis has been it has been an up and down year. And Russell <clears throat> was I think most the most prominent player in that because hmm, he's gonna want a lot of money in the offseason. Like, is he are you going to want to pay him $23, $24 million? Well, maybe not if he disappears in the playoffs. And he has shown the value to a team that is built around LeBron and AD where you need somebody else to pick up scoring. You wouldn't expect him to be. He's going to have clunkers because every player. Is. I mean, look, Joel Embiid was terrible on in Game 7. James Harden was terrible in Game 7. Every player has clunkers. Um, and so Russell wouldn't be being paid at the level where you'd expect him to be perfect every night. <clears throat> but he's shown that for this team, like you need somebody who can do what he's doing. If not him, it's got to be someone, and I don't know where they'd have access to it. And so he's come through that, like, you know, the, the Reeves bouncing back. I just, I, I, when they made these trades, the thing that was always tricky to me was what is the remaining upside? Like how good can they get and how quickly? And the answer seems to be very good um, and really quickly. But 
<clears throat> I, I want, so I just, I am, I, as I try to figure out like you, would I pick the Lakers in this series, even though I absolutely 100% think they can win it. Part of my formulation is I'm still not sure we've seen, you know, if they don't have another six or 7% of growth that could even come out over the course of the next four to seven games. Well, it's funny you say that. Like one of the things that I think is interesting in comparing the 2020 team that won the championship and what faced the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals versus this team that's about to face the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, like LeBron is not expected to carry the team now in the same way he was in 2020, in part because I don't think he can do it on a game in, game out basis. Just summon it turn it on whenever the hell he wants like he's again 38 we know he's playing through a foot injury you know the, that if it were not for the lebron james of feet he'd be you know out on the shelf recovering from surgery which still could happen this offseason but because of the skill players that are around lebron right now and anthony davis playing for the most part you know, quite well on both ends of the floor throughout the playoffs. LeBron is absolutely capable of picking his spots judiciously. And if the Lakers play at a level where you need him to take you home in the fourth, or if it's a closeout game and it's really important that you close it out on this night, LeBron is still capable of summoning up those nights, I think, at will. Like he's still, I think, capable of rationing out the energy and the raw production and sort of mapping out when he thinks, okay, this is the night, this is the quarter, the half, whatever, that I got to do it. I think he's still capable of doing that. And the good news is there are enough skill players around him now that he doesn't have to be thinking about it on a four-quarter game-by-game basis. This this series is going to be so interesting. We're, we're going to get much deeper into you know individual matchups and previews and all that kind of stuff on Tuesday's show with um, the the Locked On Nuggets guys. Um, but I do want to start thinking about the series by looking at what you think the starting lineup is going to look like. So we'll get to that next. <clears throat> all right. So Darvin Ham, who had a really good series against the Warriors. Um there was even by you know nervous playoff Lakers fan standards, there was a lot less complaining about Darwin than there normally is. I mean he made a move putting Dennis Schroeder in the starting lineup for game six. It paid off. Lakers got off to a great start and essentially controlled that game throughout. I don't think you can go three guards um against Denver. They're too big. Mm-hmm. Would you expect Vanderbilt to be back in the starting lineup or you think it could be Hachimura? Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking about this because I, I agree with you, first of all. Schroeder's going to be going back to the bench. I mean, KCP by two-guard standards is not small. And then you get to Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Jokic. They're just too big and too athletic for the Lakers to go with a three-guard lineup. Um, the pluses with Rui, obviously, would be having a starting five where you have to guard everybody and putting – Denver's defense on their toes that way. Um, the minuses are obviously you're removing some of that scoring punch from the bench. 
Vanderbilt, though, back in the starting lineup, even if you have to go back to that issue where he's ignored and you feel in certain respects like you're playing four on five offensively, between Porter, Gordon, and Murray, that is a lot of switchability and versatility and a lot of different looks that you can use Vanderbilt against three different and very dynamic players. And I wonder if I wonder if the trade-off with that versatility, I'm guessing, I'm guessing they'd go back to Vanderbilt, but I can see an argument either way. I I don't think that it's I don't think it's an obvious solution in either case. The good news is I don't think either is a bad solution either. No, and I think it probably it wouldn't shock it wouldn't shock me if we saw that spot move a lot over the course of the series. Um, you know, Denver is a really difficult team to match up with. And just because again, they have, <clears throat> you know, Michael Porter Jr. is 6'10". Like, I'm not sure people sort of understand or remember how big he is. And he doesn't necessarily, he's not like he's pounding people down low, but he's a really big dude. Yeah. Uh, he's like a poor man's Durant. You know, he's really tall. He's got that really fast release in his shot. And when when he gets rolling, he can start to bury you. I mean, you know, the, the, I, they're going to look to attack him defensively. Like, they're going to they're gonna start looking to, I'm sure, target him and Murray the way you started seeing LeBron mercilessly do it to Steph mm-hmm. as the Warriors series went along. But... There will, I would be willing to book it. There will be one or two games where Porter goes on a heater. Well, and, and that's that's what makes them. So it's like it's like it's like with the Lakers when D'Angelo goes off for twenty eight. It's like if you're still getting the stuff from everybody else, and D'Angelo gives you twenty eight, or Reeves gives you twenty six, or something. It's like that's tough because Murray's still, you know, again he's gotten much better as the season went along. He's been good in these playoffs. He's looked really he's good, played really nicely in the playoffs. And Jokic was thirty-five and ten in the last series. I, you know, again we'll get to some of the 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 specifics about matchups and things to look for in defense and this and that and whatever. I just I am uh, I'm always interested in the in the way the moving parts like which, and this happened a lot on the way. In, in 2020, like Dwight plays a lot. Dwight doesn't play at all. It's like they're, Dwight was kind of one of those pivot guys for it depends on the matchup. It depends on the game. It depends on the series. And what I think the Lakers have found is a pretty good runway, pretty good com- like feel and sense for who's going to slide <clears throat> into those spaces, who's going to slide out, and everybody being okay with it. You know, in in the games where Russell has sat late because Lonnie was playing really well, not a problem. Like everybody, they're playing so well that and, and they move so deep. And everybody, I feel like, even in the not to get all like youth sports here, but like I feel like everybody feels like they really are contributing to something. Yeah, um, you know, even Troy Brown, who got essentially yanked from the rotation, still had moments in the first round where he was extremely useful. Yeah. So everybody's, I think, feels like they're involved in what they're doing, and that is, in part, due to the buy-in for the for for the length of the season, and that is something that you can point to Darwin and say he's done a really good job. 
Yeah. One last thing I was thinking about in terms of, of the rotation and, you know, the, the moves Darwin's going to make. The Nuggets are a lot like the Lakers in that they've had no backup center. Like their eight man rotation does not include old friend Thomas Bryant or older friend DeAndre Jordan or mild acquaintance Zeke Naji. I see what um, you did there, old friend DeAndre <laughs> Jordan. It works yeah. on two levels, Andy. Yes, yes. And uh, unless foul trouble becomes an issue for AD, like I think Ham's inclination to just go with LeBron or Rui as the backup five can work against Denver. And there, there can be an opportunity to really mirror AD's minutes with Jokic's. Like, I think you could still see Wenyan Gaber out there occasionally, like to give AD a rest, or obviously if there's foul trouble. But Denver's three through five in the starting lineup is big, and Jokic is huge. So you, you think so much about what do you do with that center spot defensively because Jokic is so big and, you know, a lot of times just impossible to slow down. And he's, you know, he's the stir, he's the straw that stirs the whole thing. But I don't actually think Denver's overall size is going to be an issue for the Lakers. It, it, again, unless there's extreme foul trouble going on, something like that. Yeah, I would agree. It's 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 a really interesting series, um, for sure. <clears throat> um, all right. So for the everyday or something to look forward to, really the non everybody should look forward to Tuesday's episode. We're going to break this thing down with the locked on uh, Nuggets guys, Adam Maris and um, uh, Matt, Matt Moore. Moore from that show will be joining us. A big crossover preview episode of the Western Conference Finals. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show. And I mean, I look the same. I just don't sound right. Um, <clears throat> hang out with a, a bunch of Lakers fans. And uh, get ready for what should be a real barn burner on Tuesday. The game is going to be much more exciting than my ability to speak of it in this way. And hopefully, Andy, I'll be able to talk tomorrow, but we'll see. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.